Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16 tonight. We want to continue with this that we've been looking at, the head and his body. This is our third installment here. And um, Matthew 16, we'll look at verse 16 through 18. And um, Jesus has just spoke with his disciples. And he asked them in verse 15, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you. But my Father which is in heaven, and I say unto you, that on this rock, this rock of revealed knowledge of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They shall not. And when we started this series, I told you I was looking at this one day, studying this, and the Lord asked me, he said, why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church why will they not prevail and so when you look at this the word prevail it means to over overpower or to be strong to another's detriment overpower or to be strong to another's detriment so if we use that understanding What that means, then the gates of hell will never overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. All right? And what you hear a lot today, you hear a lot of statements about the church. You hear a lot of statements about the church is asleep, the church is weak, the church is backslidden, the church is worldly, the church is whatever. Listen, in any any person's, uh, let, let me say it this way. In any part of the body, any individual member of a body. Listen, you're sitting in here today and everybody is is here tonight. And you might be dealing with a member of your body that's recovering, that's being strengthened. Right or wrong? Right? Well, but that's not you. The part of your body that's recovering and strengthened, that's not you. That does not make up you. So there might be individual members, meaning individual church groups in the body of Christ collectively that are not doing what they need to do, but that is not the body of Christ collectively. Amen. Do do you see that? And, And when people say that about the church, they're saying that there are things that are strong to the detriment of the church and the one, the one entity on the earth that cannot be defeated, that cannot go under, that cannot lose is the church of the living God because it is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Amen. 
that the church will never lose. That Listen, the church will never lose a battle. The church, we, we've already won the war. We've already won the war. Amen. So the gates of hell will never overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. I, w- I wanted to read you something because it, over the years it's, it's impacted me. In Brother Hagin's book, The Triumphant Church, uh, he said something in the very first chapter, very first page of the very first chapter, and he talked about uh, how the believers, whether they're victorious over the devil, depends on what view they have of themselves as the church. What view do you have of yourself as the church? And he lists, number one, the militant church. The militant church depicts a body of believers who are not yet seated in heavenly places, and they're still battling to try to gain the victory over an enemy that hasn't been defeated yet by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but I I remember especially back in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, the militant church was a big thing. There was even a book written called The Militant Church. And I remember uh, I, I knew one minister. He would preach in, in military fatigues and, and come out in combat boots and military fatigues. He had stars and bars and everything else. I mean, talking about the militant church and, and we need to raise up our sword and fight and we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to be the militant church. Well, what that means is that we're trying to take down an enemy That's not been defeated. Jesus never, can I say this? Jesus never said to defeat the enemy. He never said to defeat the enemy. A lot of people, even when they talk about taking authority over the devil, they think they're taking authority over someone that's not defeated. Jesus said, you occupy, you are the occupying force, and you do business in the earth until I return. I've given you all authority over all devils, over all the power of the devil, and the only thing you've got to do is keep him underneath your feet. Amen. And then he said, the defeated church. That gives us a picture of a church that is ignorant of the fact they're seated with Christ, and they're supposed to be reigning in life through Christ. Because they're ignorant of their position or never use the authority they possess, These believers are constantly ravaged by the wiles of Satan and are in a state of continual failure and defeat. He's not talking about facing a challenge, facing a battle, facing an an onslaught of the enemy. He's talking about somebody that lives there consistently. I, I need you to understand that defeat is not the home base of the believer. Amen. In any way, shape, or form, not mentally, not spiritually, not physically, you might be dealing with a mental challenge tonight, you might be dealing with a physical challenge, but I want you to know, if you keep standing on it in the authority that you possess as the believer, that too shall pass. Why? Because it can't stay. It can't stay. There's too much authority in you. There's too much power in you. The Bible says that when you were born again, the Holy Spirit, of course, came to dwell in you. But then there was an experience subsequent to your salvation called the infilling of the Holy Ghost that brought the same power into your life that Jesus walked in. Oh, glory to God. 
That's what Jesus told the disciples. He said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Until you're clothed with it. Until it's part of your arsenal. Until it's on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Then he said, but the triumphant church is the biblical perspective of the body of Christ. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. The triumphant church scripturally portrays a body of believers who not only know, but exercise their authority in Christ and reign victoriously in life through Christ Jesus over Satan. Amen. What I'm learning more and more in my years of walking with Christ is this, how little authority the devil has. How little authority he has. But you hear people all the time talking about the power of the devil. Not today, Satan. Why are you putting up with that? Why are you putting up with that? I mean, what, you, right? Remember the story Wigglesworth told? He was, he was walking down the street in, in England there. And he stopped by the bus stop. And that little lady was standing there at the bus stop. And that little dog, her little dog came up and was just, you know, yapping and wanting to go with her. And she said, no, no, honey, you can't go. And the little dog just didn't move. And the bus is steady coming. And it's getting closer and getting closer and getting closer. And she's like, no, no, honey, you can't. No, 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 you can't go with me. And the bus was almost there. And she turned on that little dog and said, get! And the dog took off. And Wigglesworth said, I couldn't help it. I laughed right out loud and said, that's how you got to do the devil. (laughs) Amen. That's how you got to do the devil. Amen. Because, Because, listen, he'll hang around and do whatever you'll let him do. He'll talk as long as you let him talk. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the gates of hell will never overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. Why? Well, let's look at Ephesians 1. We're going to spend some time tonight looking at this. My wife told me, she said, I see an updated version of local church, hope of the world. Well, hallelujah. I don't know, but. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22, and uh, it says that Christ has been seated far above all principality. Now, when you read this, you should read it this way. Far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. The Amplified Bible says he has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Now notice, for in that body, say that's me, that's the church, say that's the church. In that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete 
and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Now, do you think that the gates of hell can be strong to the detriment of a group that is filled with the full measure of Christ himself? No way. No way. Why? Because the devil could not, the devil could not overcome Jesus when he was on the earth and he was one man. Yeah, but he was God in the flesh. But he was, he was not here so much as God in the flesh as he was a man anointed by God. Because if he just relied on being God in the flesh, that would not give us any hope. I'm not God in the flesh. You're not God in the flesh. I have God in my flesh, but I'm not God in the flesh. If, if Jesus depended on his divinity to walk in authority, you and I have no hope. Jesus depended on the anointing of the Holy Ghost to function in the authority that he had been given. And then he filled the church with the greatest, fullest measure of himself. Glory to God. Amen. The first reason hell will never prevail against the church is, the, is that Christ is the head of the church and we're his body. We're his body. Say it out loud. I am the body of Christ in the earth. The same power in the head is in the body. The same power. The Bible says the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. And do you realize when God raised Christ from the dead, it was the most magnificent, most powerful display of His power ever. It was more power than when He created the universe. It was more power than when He put Jesus in the womb of Mary. Because all of hell, every principality, every power, every dominion, every evil spirit was ranged against Him to stop Him from raising Christ from the dead. But the Bible says He made bare His righteous right arm and raised him from the dead. That power dwells in you. That power dwells in you. Do you realize how much power it took to make you a brand new creature? As much power as it took to raise Christ from the dead. Because in the spiritual sense, you were dead in trespasses and sins. When Christ went from the cross to the grave and he went to the place of the dead, he went to hell to pay the price for our sin. The same symbolism is found in you and I before Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Christ was not dead in his trespasses and sin. He was dead in our trespasses and sins. And he paid the price to relieve us and to deliver us and to set us free. In, in the mind of God, that's the condition we were in. And it required the same amount of power to raise us from the dead spiritually and recreate us in the image of God Himself. That's the power that the church is filled with. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Makes you a brand new creature. A species of being. You are full of so much power that you are not who you used to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Pastor, I don't see it that way. You've not let the power fix you. You've not let the power change you. You are. Say it out loud. I am 
who God says I am. If God says it, that's what I am. Regardless of how I feel. Hallelujah. Because the only thing that can short circuit that great amount of power is what I do or don't do. Oh, hallelujah. Say this out loud. Say, I'm full of the fullest measure of the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. We are vitally connected to Christ. The life in Him is the life in us. How do you know you're never going to die again? Because the Bible said, in that Christ died once unto sin, He dies no more. He doesn't have to die to sin again. He died to it once. And Hebrews says He ever lives to make intercession for us. One day this body that you're living in, if Christ doesn't return for the church, it'll fall over with a thud and your spirit will jump out of it like you pull your shoe off at night after you get home from work. But here's the thing. You, 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 you will never die again because the life and the power of God is in you. God can't die. You can't die. You're an eternal being. That's the power that's in you. That's the life of God on the inside of you. Oh, I preach myself happy. Amen. This was such a revelation to me. All those years ago when I started getting a hold of it. I was getting pieces of it 30 years ago. It was such a revelation to me. Because the church I grew up in, everybody stood up and testified about how the devil was running them ragged. Beating them up. Kicking them around like a football. Amen. One man even wrote a song called, Drop Kick Me Jesus Through the Goalpost of Life. Look it up. Look it up. Mac Jones, drop kick me, Jesus, through the goalpost of life. Dear Lord. Amen. They'd stand up and testify, I want you all to pray for me. The devil's just running me ragged. The devil's just on me. Oh, I'm just, oh, oh, the old devil. Oh, the old devil. Hallelujah. And the old devil, with no power and no authority over them, Robbed them blind. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, the devil has no authority over you at all. Emphasize at all. None has no authority over you. Notice this. The position of Christ as the head is the position of the church as the body. And what do I mean by that? Look look at Ephesians 1 again. Let's look at this again. Verse 21. Jesus is seated far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name. How many names? Every name that is named. Not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth all in all. Now it's important that you read it this way sometimes. Verse 22, the word things are all in italics. He's put all under his feet and gave him to be the head over all to the church. Now notice, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, Father, 
above all principalities. Number one, principalities. That, that, that word principality means beginning, origin, or rule. So that means, that means beings that have had their rulership or their authority or their dominion in certain areas from the beginning. All right? Any being that was given any rule, even from the beginning. Secondly, he's been seated far above all power. Very simple word. The word power is authority. All authority. Now think about that. All authority. He's seated far above it. Thirdly, he's seated far above all might. The word is ability or power or strength. Remember when he said, Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy? Now, now think about this for a moment. That power, that authority did not rest inside those disciples. It couldn't rest inside of them because they weren't born again. That was a lent authority, not even so much a delegated authority as a lent authority. Jesus lent them his name. He lent them his authority. And they went out in an authority that was not even on the inside of them and just used the name of Jesus and cast out devils and healed all the sick that were in the city. Oh, hallelujah. Then all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. All dominion. The word dominion means lordship or government. And you put all this together and it simply means whatever principality, whatever power, whatever might or dominion that may exist, whatever names they're called by, the dominion of Christ is above them all. And I'm seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Verse 22 says, And has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The word put, that, that, that Greek verb was originally used as a military term, meaning to place or rank under. He has put all things under his feet. He's placed all things under his feet. He's placed all things in a rank under him. And it came to me mean to subject or to be put into subjection. So he has put all things, all principalities, all power, all might, all dominion into subjection under his feet. Amen. Now that's Bible. So where are all those principalities, all those powers, all those mights, and all those dominions? Where are they at? Under his feet. Are the feet in the body? Are the feet in the body? I didn't say, are you the feet of the body? I said, are the feet in the body? 
It says all things have been placed under the feet of Christ. And Christ is the head over the body. We are the body of Christ. So if all things are under His feet, where are all things where we're concerned? Under our feet. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, all power, all might, all dominion is under my feet. Glory be to God. Ha, ha, ha. And here's the thing. The verb put is in the aorist tense. A-O-R-I-S-T. Aorist. It's, 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 the same, it's the same meaning that Paul used when he talked about the resurrection. Paul talked about the resurrection in the aorist tense. It's something that's past. This verb put is in the aorist tense indicating that this is now done. Everything is already in subjection to Christ. Hallelujah. In the mind of God, all principality, all power, all might, all dominion is under the subjection of Christ and the church. Oh, hallelujah. See, that's why you got to understand. You'll hear people say, listen, read, read the Bible and you will not find one scripture that tells you to pray about the devil. But I'll have people come to me and want me to agree that the devil will leave them alone. Or the devil will leave their family alone. I can agree that you'll start using your authority. But there's not one devil prayer in the Bible. This is important. Because people will pray. I've heard people pray, oh, oh, Lord, keep the devil at bay. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And you know, it's a prayer in ignorance, but it's sad ignorance. That here they sit with the fullest measure of God himself on the inside of them. They have the authority to stand up like Jesus did and tell the devil to go. And they're praying for God to do something about it. What is that a picture of? Master, don't you care if we perish? And Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the wave and turned around and what did he say to them? Where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? What was he saying? You could have done this. Exercise the faith and the authority I've given you. You could have stopped this. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Well, Pastor, I'm in the middle of a battle. A one, a one battle. A one battle. You've won. You're not going to be taken out. You're not going to lose. How can you lose? You've already won the victory. You've already won. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Look at Philippians chapter 2. Verse 9. I'm going to show you. We're going to look at a few things tonight. And, and, and I know we, we've talked about these verses. But we're told how to deal with the devil in the New Testament. For instance, what... I'll share three examples with you real quick. And you, you can look them up on your own time. In Ephesians 6, it says, it says when the enemy 
throws fiery darts at you that you raise up the shield of your faith and it quenches all of them. Is that what it says? Now, why would you believe somebody that says, well, sometimes they get through? When he said it quenches all of them. Ah, hallelujah. Well, I'm under an attack from the enemy right now. Right, and your faith is working. Your faith is holding, the, your faith is holding up fine under the pressure. And let me, listen, listen to me. Let me speak loud to be heard in case nobody's told you. Your faith is in fine shape. And it's holding up fine under the pressure of what you're going through. The enemy's trying to lie to you. The enemy will try to lie to you about your faith. And he don't know, he don't, as old folk you say, he don't know nothing about faith. He don't know anything about faith. He's a flesh devil. He can't do anything outside the flesh. He knows nothing about your faith. Your faith is in fine shape. Amen. Oh, my Lord. I, I don't think I'll get through this. Uh, let, let's, I said Philippians. Let's go to Ephesians 2 for the sake of time. I just need you to know that. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. And he has raised us up together. Us is us. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Amplified Bible says he raised us up together with him. Made us sit down together. Gave us joint seating with him. Woo, glory. Our position as believers is one of joint seating with Christ in heavenly places. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, now, listen. Here, here's the key. That may not always be your circumstance, but it is your position. You might be dealing with a circumstance right now that you're believing God, and it may not feel like that's your circumstance, but it is your position. Your circumstance will change. Your position will never change. Amen. And as long as you maintain your position, your circumstance is guaranteed to change. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. If you want to rise above your circumstances, you have to take advantage of your position in Christ. If you want to rise above the circumstances, you got to take advantage of your position in Christ. What is your position in Christ? At the right hand of the Father, seated far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that's named. Amen. Now, the church has made much that Jesus has a name that's above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. Yes, Jesus has authority in three worlds. I have authority in three worlds. Remember I said there were two, two other instances? What does James say will happen when you resist the devil? He'll what? He'll flee? You sure? You have to pray in tongues? You don't have to get agreement? He'll flee when, when who resists him? 
When, when who? How do you resist Him? From your position of where you are in Christ. With the name of Jesus. I resist you in Jesus' name. Is that right? And what's He do? What's He do? What's He do? Why does He flee? Because you told Him to. Amen. Amen. Remember when Jesus was on the earth? And the Bible says there was nothing calmly about Jesus. You know, I've, I've heard people say different things. That doesn't mean Jesus was, was ugly or not good looking. It, it means there was nothing about him. He didn't draw attention to himself. Remember, he would walk into the temple. Remember that demon said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth, Holy One of God? Have you come to torment me before the time? Well, the Bible says Jesus looked like any other man. What did that demon see? Who Jesus was. <laughs> right? Amen. When you resist the devil, he's not running from you. He's running from the greater one in you. And when I say that, he's not running from your physical self. He's running from who you are in Christ. You are a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Does this sound like a defeated, weak, backslidden position? Amen. Sound like we're, we're on our last lungs? This old boy's barely breathing. No! We're alive and well. Why? Christ is alive and well. He's the head. We're the body. Amen. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church because we are sharers and partakers of Christ's victory over Satan. Look, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. I just want to show you this tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, not the wisdom of this world or the princes of this world that come to nothing. We speak the wisdom of God and the mystery, the hidden wisdom that God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Moffat says this, We do discuss wisdom with those who are mature, only it is not the wisdom of this world, watch, or of the dethroned powers that rule this world. Now, th here's, here's the key. People read that, and they say, Satan is the God of this world. And the Bible says that. Here's the, here's the, here's the, the key, though. Most Christians put themselves in that word, world. When Jesus and the Pauline epistles always separated us from the world. Remember what Jesus said? For you are in the world, but you're not of the world is that right 
He's the God of this world. He's the God spiritually of spiritually blinded people. The Bible always makes a distinction between the people of the kingdom and the people that the Bible calls the world. The world is not this blue marble that we live on. Satan is not so much the Lord, the God of this physical earth as he is over the physical people whose minds are blinded. Our minds are not blinded. We are in the light. We are not in the darkness. He is not our Lord. He is not our God. He has no dominion over us at all. Why? Because where we're concerned, he has been dethroned. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. Listen, Jesus got the entire job done. Do you understand that? In Revelation, remember what he said? He said, I am he that was and is and always will be. I am alive forevermore. And behold, I have the keys of death, of hell, and the grave. Well, we'll read the New Testament and you'll find out before that time, before Jesus went to the, the belly of the earth, that Satan held the power of death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, that he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And what did the devil do with the power of death? Held everybody in bondage. What did Jesus do? He went to hell and took the keys. Took them. Didn't ask for them. Took them. Amen. That indicates he whooped him some devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And what did he do? He rose how? He rose how? Victorious. Over what? Death, hell, and the grave. Death, hell, and the grave. And that's why the Bible says when you got born again, he gave you eternal life. Glory to God. Dethroned. They rule this world, but they don't rule me. They rule this world, but they don't rule you. Amen. And that's, and, that's why, and that's why when you're walking around the world, when you're walking around people that are governed by the God of this world, you look different to them because you're free. You're free. Amen. The same things that overcome them don't overcome you. Amen. Amen. And we tell them the answer is Jesus, and the answer is Jesus. But why is the answer Jesus? In Jesus is all the authority to live above the power of the enemy. Amen. Listen, the Bible says I can't be defeated. I have to choose to not be defeated. If I can't be, I won't be. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. When we stand in our position, well, let me say this. The wisdom is the knowledge that Satan has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. Now, hear me when I say this. Why then does he act like he's not defeated? Because he's full of pride. And pride will never admit defeat. You remember Proverbs 13, 10? I've talked to you about this a lot. It says, only through pride comes contention. What is an argument between a man and his wife? Pride. Somebody's got to be right. (laughs) 
I'm going to argue my point. I'm going to prove to you I'm right. Well, you might argue your point, but here's the thing. And you might even, you might even argue them into submission, but you can't ever argue them into thinking you're right. But your pride thinks if you win the argument, you've won. When what does humility do? Gives up. Okay, sweetheart. You know, it's, it's really not worth arguing about. I love you. I love the peace in our home more than I want to be right. At least that's what you're thinking. Right? And what would you just do? You, you both just won. Why will the devil ultimately be cast into the lake of fire and, and live there eternally in eternal punishment because he will not admit he was wrong? To call Jesus Lord means you've got to admit somebody else needs to be running my life. Right? Hallelujah. That's the wisdom. The knowledge is that Satan has been defeated. Religion doesn't have that knowledge. It's there for their taking, but they don't have it. The world doesn't have that knowledge. And that's why you hear religion talking about the power of the devil when he's been dethroned. If he has been dethroned, what power does he have? Here, here, let me give you an answer. Zero. We're to stand in our position of authority against an enemy who's already been defeated and already been dethroned. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 2. I got two more verses. If I don't get too preachy, I'll get you out of here not too late. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God that always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Oh, glory. The Coney Bear translation says, Thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place in the train of his triumph to celebrate his victories over the enemies of Christ. So that means in that victorious procession, I'm part of it, I'm in it, he's leading me in this procession, and what are we celebrating? His victories over the enemies of Christ. Not victories that are going to be won. Victories that are ours now. Amen. When believers as the church act on the word. Hear me. Satan cannot. He does not. And he will not be able to defeat us. Why? Because the lordship of Jesus is declared over us in the word. Jesus is my Lord. Christ's dominion over us is real. And we only submit to him as our Lord. I won't submit to you, devil. I won't submit to your plan for my life. I won't. I won't. I will not. I will not accept it. Amen. And if you won't accept it, he can't make you take it. He, because Jesus is my Lord. You're not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. 
Do you see that? Say it out loud. I only submit to Jesus as my Lord. Amen. See, hear me. That's why when, when, some, when, when people talk and, the, and they talk about how something from the devil can overcome them, you've got to submit to that. You stand against it with every fiber of your being. I'm not going to submit to it. I'm not going to submit to poverty. I'm not going to submit to disease. That doesn't mean I won't ever have to battle it off, but I'm not going to submit to it. I said I'm not going to submit to it. With every breath in my body, I'll be saying I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord, and He took stripes on His back for my healing, and I'm healed in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Yeah, but it's not getting any better. I will not submit to the fact that it's not getting any better. It is getting better because healing always comes. Victory always comes. Overcoming ability always comes. Always comes. Glory to God. See, I say this for this reason. Christ's dominion over you is real. Satan's dominion over you is not real. Was a real devil, but he has no real dominion. Not over us. Quit, quit connecting yourself to the world. I'm not of the world. I'm in it. I'm not of it. I'm not connected to it. When I got born again, my connection to the world was severed. I'm connected to the kingdom. Is that right? I'm connected to the kingdom, not the world. Now, let's look at one last verse. You got time? Yes, sir. Colossians chapter 1. And you know, I've had people say that, and they say it in hushed tones. Well, you know, pastor, the devil does have power. The devil will throw things at the believer, but they can't overcome the believer. Do you understand that? Yeah, but I got a bad report. It's just a report. You understand what I'm trying to say by that? I'm not saying that you deny it, but it's just a report. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, let, let me share this with you. This is important. Holy Spirit just dropped this in my heart. Symptoms will attack your body, and the devil's waiting to see if you're going to agree with them. Amen. I heard a minister that I have great, great faith in, great trust in, and he said he was in his early 50s. And uh, he said, I started having some alarming symptoms in my body where my heart was concerned. And understand, all the men in his family had died young with heart disease. And, and he said, he said, I was declaring the word. And he said, uh, I wouldn't accept that as, as mine. And he said, the, uh, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I went to the doctor and had him uh, run uh, the test, you know, when they inject the dye into your system. And uh, he said, the doctor came back in there and said, how old are you? He said, well, at that time, I'm 55. He said, you have the heart of a 16-year-old. See, what was the devil trying to get? He's, the doctor verifies you got the heart of a 16-year-old, and the devil's trying to get him to agree with some symptoms. 
Because why? He needs your authority to make anything happen. Amen. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I just, I just feel like I'm going to die. Quit saying that. Quit it. That's your authority. You're giving authority to that feeling to overcome you. Well, I don't know what this is. It's nothing. It's, you're going to find an answer to it. Amen. Hallelujah. A dry spot will come up. Somebody go, oh, I just don't know what this dry spot is. It's a dry spot. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, right, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying to be flippant about it. If you need to go get it checked out, please do. But, but don't go with this understanding that this could be something that can kill me. Go with the understanding of whatever it is, the price has been paid for it. I may not know what it is, but the price has been paid. If somebody said, I'm sending you a gift, I'm sending it by UPS or Amazon or whatever, all right, and I've already paid for it, of course, if they're sending you it, it, it it's paid for. And you say, what is it? And they say, don't worry about it, it you're going to like it. All you got to be concerned about is, it's paid for. Whatever it is, it's mine, right? Amen. It, it doesn't matter what it is, it's already paid for. The devil needs your authority to make it happen. Amen. Colossians 1 and 13. We'll close with this, I think. It's talking about the Father who has delivered us from the power, the authority of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. The Young's literal says it correctly. Who did rescue us out of the authority of the darkness and translate us into the reign of the Son of His love? Now think about this. Hell cannot prevail against the church because we've been delivered from the authority of darkness. Darkness has no authority over us. None. No authority over us. Why? We're not of the world. Anything connected to Adam... Is connected to the authority of the enemy. Anything disconnected from Adam and connected to Christ is free from the authority of the enemy. That's it. That settles the issue. The authority of darkness was broken over us legally. Satan's authority was and is and a legal authority in the sense that he took it. He stole it. It was not given to him in the sense that God gave it to him. Adam gave it to him. This authority of darkness was broken over you and I legally. We're legally seated with Christ. Our authority over the enemy is legal on every level. That's why he's got to flee. And, I, and I'll close with this. The devil knows he was defeated. Now, here's the thing. I'll hear people say, oh, I just can't wait for that day when the devil bows the knee and declares that Jesus is Lord. The victory will be won. So you're living defeated now? Because if you're waiting for that day, that day's coming. 
When Jesus turns all authority back over to the Father, and then Satan is bound, cast into the lake of fire, and he has to declare that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. But we're not waiting on that day. He's in a defeated position now. Why will, why will he have to bow and declare that Jesus is Lord? Because he won't do it now. But we keep him in. The, see, it's even worse for him. Because he won't admit it, but there's nothing he can do. He won't admit that Jesus won. But yet, he's got to flee when we tell him to flee. Because Jesus won. Even though he won't admit Jesus won. Poor silly, sorry, sad devil. Poor devil. You can almost feel sorry for him. Almost. Almost. Not quite. Hallelujah. You know what I mean by that? Because you've seen people got themselves into a mess and you almost feel sorry for them. Almost. Hallelujah. Say it out loud with me. Say, the authority I have is a legal authority given to me by Christ. It belongs to me. With this authority, I maintain my standing. I maintain my position. Joint seating with Christ. Far above all principality, all power, all might, and all dominion. I have that authority. I will not be defeated. I cannot be defeated in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand on your feet tonight. Praise the Lord. God is good.